sitting over there with, with, with Chad. I was like, those are good seats over there because you can see everything. But the whole time I was watching Jenna because she's our service coordinator and she didn't know where I was. And so I see her start moving around because she didn't think I was in here, right? And so I kept telling Chad, how, she's laughing back there, how much longer should we make her wait? And he's like, oh, make her sweat a little bit longer. So then we see her get up and go to the back. We know she's looking for me, right, because the queue is getting ready to come. And he said, we were just laughing over because we're a little bit cruel here at the City Life Church. So we were having a little fun at Jenna's expense. But, but part of that, too, we're talking about Jenna because if you've not noticed, she's got this sweet tattoo on her left foot. And uh, while she was on vacation, she's the first one, I think, to get the City Life Cityscape. Cord, oh, Cord was the first one. Cord was the first one, yeah. So, so the first lady to get the City Life Church cityscape on, on her foot. And it perfectly just wraps with her shoes and so you can see it. And, uh, and so I said, was that planned? She said, of course, right? So, so you'll, have to, uh, you'll have to check that out and, uh, and uh, congratulate her on her new ink. It looks great. So, hey, so we are in a, uh, our series. We, we were out of it a little bit last. If you weren't here last, we, we, we mentioned the podcast just for your convenience. But this week, I want to say, if you weren't here last week, you need to go listen to last week's message. If you call this your church home, you need to listen to that podcast because it was a landmark message, I believe, for our church. It's one that I think that we're going to be preaching here uh, throughout our years to come. And so it's just, if you, you need to listen to it. You need to listen to that. We've got stories coming in already of, uh, of, of, of breakthroughs of favor. We got an email on, on uh, I think it was on Sunday from somebody in the church who responded and uh, we, you know, we were talking about how pride can can uh, rob us of the favor of God, and, and, and when, we, when we humble ourselves, it releases God's favor, and then they responded uh, last, last weekend, and, uh, and that same day, that same day, they got an email from a relative, they were expecting some inheritance, and it was twice as much as what they said. So you can say it's a coincidence, but we just find that when you respond to God, lots of coincidences happen. So you can call them what you want, but we believe in the power of prayer. We believe in when we respond to God and what he's saying to us, things happen. So, so we're in a series. We're, we're getting back into it. This is the second week of it. Wait, can you turn me down just a hair, William? Yeah. It's, it's entitled Mayhem, and obviously we're playing off of these commercials that you see on television. And the, and the idea, their premise is that if you don't have the right kind of insurance, when mayhem comes, it will cost you more than it should, right? They're not saying if you have our insurance, you're not ever going to have problems. If you have our insurance, you're, you're never going to have mayhem. They're saying, no, mayhem's going to come. It's going to come for all of us. But if you don't have the right kind of insurance, it's going to cost you more than it should. And I don't know if they know this or not, but they got this phrase right out of the Bible. It comes right out of John 16. So just by way of a little bit of a recap, if you're a note taker, John 16, 33, that's what Jesus tells his disciples. He's in the last few moments of his life. And so he's downloading all the things that he thinks that they need before they launch to birth the church that he's called them to build. And one of the things that he says to them is, hey, mayhem is going to come. Trials, problems, but you don't have to be afraid because I've overcome the world already. And what he says is, I've told you these things so that my peace will always be with you. And so what we've been talking about in this series, or what we got started talking about in this series, is that mayhem it might cost you some things, but it should never cost you your sense of inner peace. It should never displace the thing that's inside of you that, that, that 
that gives you a sense of confidence that God is in control. Even if I'm surrounded by trouble all out here, there should be something in here that says, my God knows who I am, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, no matter what happens to me in this moment, my peace is my prize, and I'm not going to let it go. And so I'm, I'm challenging our church to memorize Isaiah 26.3, not the whole verse, you can if you want, but the, just if we're if you've never memorized the verse before, this one, we're making it easy for you. It's got great cadence to it. It's easy to follow. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. So we just commit that to memory. It's a great thing to have. So when you're surrounded by mayhem, you can minister to yourself. Are you with me? When you're surrounded by mayhem, you can feel your sense of inner peace being displaced. You can say, you will keep in perfect peace. All who trust in you and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. And you can begin to speak that over your life. You can speak that over somebody else's life who might be in a mayhem situation to help anchor their sense of perfect peace. We connected it to 1 Corinthians 13, 13 about faith, hope, and love. You can get that online. We'll get the notes up soon. And then we moved into the second part of that verse. And we talked about 1 Samuel 7, 22, your Ebenezer, the stone of my help. And so we got digging all around in this idea of perfect peace. And so then we said, you know, where we're going to go with this series, right? Where we're going to go with the series is that God doesn't want us to add to our mayhem, right? Because he's got plenty of mayhem planned for us already because it helps shape our character. It helps build our faith. It helps gives us a testimony and a story that we can use to minister to others. That's what Second uh, Corinthians, the first chapter, is all about. And so in this series, where we're going to be taking it over the next several weeks, is this idea, don't add to the mayhem of your life unnecessarily. And so we were on vacation, right? We found this game through Pastor Jamie's kids telling us about this game, Dumb Ways to Die. And we said, this is perfect for our series, right? Because we, because we have dumb ways that we add to the mayhem of our existence. God looks at us and says, why? Why are you doing that? Don't add to your trouble. So we said, you know, let's do some giveaways for high scores. And so we talked about that. Stephanie's still a little bit bitter that she didn't get the high score the other day. And so she's working through that, forgiveness and all those kinds of things. So, so, um, so we're going to do this. We're going to do the top two scores tonight. The top two scores tonight that, that, that as you've been playing. Dumb so if you won last week, Ethan, Travis, and Stephanie, then you're, you're, you can't win tonight. So this will help the other people along a little bit. So these are the, I'm going to give the second highest score. You get your post-it and your pen so you can keep notes about your performance so you can do a little bit better in your, in your gaming. And this one, I don't know what this bag is for, but you know I'm a shooter and it's perfect for a little subcompact 380 or a micro 9 millimeter. I'm just saying. So I almost kept this for myself and it almost went in my range bag. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit came and so I'm going to give it away after all. So, all right, so, so, so let's do this. If you've got... If you've got 3,000 points or higher. Stan, 3,000 points or higher. 3,000 points or higher. How many do I have? Oh, I got three people. The left side is representing. You guys got to work. Not doing while we're preaching, but just after. After you can work. All right, so what's yours? 3,004. You just barely, but you got to stand. Yeah, yeah. Yes, ma'am. 6,400. Dustin? He's checking. Is it, is it higher than 6,400? Is it, is, it, is it higher than 3,004? 3,200. So you get the nice bag. Nice, nice. All right, Dustin, you get the post-its and the pen so you can work on your, on your screw a little bit. All right, come on. So, so we're, 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 we're teasing you a little bit because, you know, this is the big giveaway at the end of the series. The highest score, the highest score 
it'll be between it'll be between both campuses wings. We got the Williamsburg campus on Sunday morning. Is this nice bag? The cooler. So we're going to put a six pack of cokes in here. The uh, coke in a bottle, of course, because right that's at the marriage feast of the Lamb. And then also we've got speakers that are built in, so you can put in your music device. And so come on, we're just putting that out just to taunt you a little bit. So well, maybe we'll put it up here so you can really see it. When you're not paying attention to me, it'll give you something to focus on that'll help bring you bring you back. So some of you though, you've not played, so you don't know about the dumb ways to die video. Right? So there's a video that comes with dumb ways to die. And so some of you might not ever get a score high enough like mine to be able to get the video, to get the video. So we thought we would share it with you tonight. Set fire to your hair, poke a stick at a grizzly bear, eat medicine that's out of date. Use your private parts as piranha bait. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Dumb ways to die. So many dumb ways to die. Get your toast out with a fork. Do your own electrical work. Teach yourself. this red button do That's going to, that dance, I'm just telling you, it's going to be all the rage, right? Wedding receptions, dance parties, it's not going to be the wobble or whatever anybody else is doing. It's going to be the dumb ways to die shuffle, right? So we're, we, maybe we'll do that together as a church next weekend, right? 
No, I'm just kidding, just kidding. Vanessa's like, no, no, no. So, so, so we watch that, right? And we say, it's just, it's silly. Who would do those things? And that's what God says to us, right? He, he says to us, he, he watches us as we're living our lives and he's going, who, why are you doing that? Why are you adding to the mayhem of your life? It's foolishness. All throughout Proverbs, it talks about foolishness, that when we know better and yet we still do it and we want to be a church that helps you identify some of those things so something inside of you says i'm not going to do that i'm not going to eat that tube of super glue right you can connect whatever you want i'm not going to dress up like a moose during hunting season and, and so we've done four of these this idea of increasing isolation god says don't do that don't isolate yourself don't withdraw from relationships if you do that you're going to increase the mayhem of your life this is when we launched the series so just again for a little bit of recap this idea of decreasing deference minimizing or, 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 or shrinking the number of deferring relationships in your life, permission-giving relationships in your life, relationships with people where you trust them enough to say no to you when you need someone to say no to you, pulling back from those relationships. God says, hey, don't do that. It's a dumb way to add mayhem to your life. Compromise, selfishness. Now, we've been talking for a couple of weeks now about what the fifth one's going to be. We're not going to get to that tonight again. I was going to talk about it last week, and I was going to talk about it again this week. And so when we were out on the Chickahominy River on Sunday afternoon, hanging out with some friends, just relaxing a little bit, as we were out there, I felt like God spoke to me and said, hey, I want you to talk about my voice this coming weekend. I want you to talk about my voice. So as I began to pray about that for, the, for a couple of days on, on Sunday and then my day off on Monday, I realized that, that God wanted to connect this idea of hearing his voice to this, this concept that we're talking about as part of the series, his perfect peace. That, that one of the ways that we maintain a sense of perfect peace in our heart is that we have a sense of confidence that I will be able to hear him when he speaks to me. One of the ways that, and it's probably a series in the making, so, so I think there's going to be a series that we'll develop over the next several months, maybe we'll do it in 2014, maybe we'll do it at the end of this year, this idea of how, how do we maintain our perfect peace? How, how, do we, how do we get it and how do we hold on to it so that it will never be displaced? And I think one of the, I would put at the top of the list, is a sense of confidence that I can hear God's voice. I can hear His voice. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, if you're visiting tonight, you're going, finally, I was just hoping you weren't going to end with the Dumb Ways to Die video. I might not have been back next week. Are they going to read out of the Bible tonight at all? All right, Isaiah 55, verses 1 through 3, and then I'm going to read 6 through 7 and then 10 through 12, and I'm going to talk about each of those points a little bit, and then we're going to get into all the places in the Bible where it talks about God's voice. It says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money, come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that, that, that does no good? Listen, listen, listen to me, the prophet writes, and you will eat what is good and you will enjoy the finest food. Come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life and I will make an everlasting covenant with you. All right, I'm going to jump over to to verse 6. I'm going to read 6 through 7. Listen to what it says here. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he, is while he is near. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Dumb ways to die. Come on. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive 
generously. Now jumping down to verse 10, the rain and the snow, they come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. It is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all that I want it to and it will prosper everywhere I send it. Now listen to where it finishes up. So, so, we're, so it's talking about this idea of God speaking and having an expectation that he's going to speak to us and having a sense of confidence that I can hear his voice. And of all the places the text could have gone to, of all the promises that could have been given, of all the prizes that we could have been assured that we will have, listen to what it says in verse 12, and you will live in joy and peace. Right here, the prophet's saying, if you want to have a sense of perfect peace, if you want to live with a sense of perfect peace, then you've got to be a person that believes that God speaks. In the text here, in verses 1 through 3, it's kind of general. It's really just talking about the idea that God is one who speaks, that he has a voice that goes out to all people. This idea that God speaks to the world. And you might be here tonight and saying, I believe, Fred, that God speaks. I believe that God has a lot to say. I believe that he has a voice that's continually at loose in the world. And maybe you're here and saying, but I'm not sure he wants to speak to me. And that's why the text keeps moving and you get to 6 and 7 and it says, no, 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 he wants to speak to you. And part of the problem might be that you're not ever initiating, right? That's where it turns. It says, hey, you've got to be one that goes out after God. It's part of what, in the book of James, it says, draw near to God, and he'll draw near to you. He has a voice that's speaking. You might believe that he speaks, but until you become that person that says, God, I want to hear you, until there's some expression, some posturing, some movement on your part to position you, that's the pathways we talk a lot about, you position yourself into a place to hear the voice of God that's always speaking in the world. And then he finishes up that the great prize, the great prize that he gives to you is a sense of peace, an inner peace. No matter how the storm is raging on the outside, there can be a peace on the inside that is absolutely immovable. All right, so let's do a little participation tonight. What does the Bible have to say about God's voice? What are some places in a Bible, descriptions, things that maybe even now as we've been talking about God's voice, things that come to mind? So somebody, what's, what's something the Bible says about God's voice? It's a still small voice, yeah? What else? What does the Bible say about God's voice? Anybody? A rushing wind. Come on, what else? What else? Don't be shy. What's something else? Nathaniel. Powerful, yes. Powerful, rushing wind, a still small voice. What's somebody else? Maybe a story in the Bible where God's voice is prominent in the stories. Anybody? Come on. Yes, and God said, right, over and over, you see that. It might be one of the most repeated phrases in the Bible, and God said. It's in there because it's not just telling a story, but it's reminding us he is a God who speaks. Somebody else, maybe somebody who God spoke to them. Samuel. Yeah, John 10, his sheep will recognize his voice. Somebody else, anything about his voice? No? All right. Jehoshaphat, yeah, person after person after person after person, and we say it all the time here at City Life, all of those stories are not put in there to tease us to say, I bet you wish you could have this experience. No, 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 they're in there to create an expectation and an appetite inside of us to say, just as you did it for them, God, I know that you're going to do it for me. All of those stories of God's 
speaking, all of those encounters of people having with the creator of the universe, he paints those pictures. He, he gives us these snapshots of real history, and he puts them in this book. So as we read them, there's something inside of us that says, God, I want to be one of those people. And until that appetite gets stirred up in you, until that expectation gets stirred up in you, until you begin to have these experiences of God speaking to you, I'm telling you that your peace is at risk, and it does not have to be. Mayhem is going to come, but it should not cost you more than it should, and it should certainly never cost you the inner peace on the inside. And one of the ways we anchor it down is by having a sense of confidence that we will hear his voice. All right, so we're going to do five of them tonight, time permitting, five of them tonight. So the first one, if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Ezekiel 43. I think these are the most common texts in Scripture that deal with the voice of God. Ezekiel, oh, I got it right up here on the screen, all of it. All right, then the man brought me to the gate facing east. Now, Ezekiel, there's a lot of different parts of Ezekiel, but much of Ezekiel is like a journaling of his prophetic visions. So this is a little bit of one of the prophetic visions that he's having. In verse, chapter 43, verse 1, it says, The man brought me to the gate facing east. Now, it was an angel. Some people believe it was a theophany, which means it was a, 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 an appearance of Christ uh, in the Old Testament. And I saw the glory of God, of Israel, coming from the east. Here it comes. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters. Some translations render it the voice of many waters. In Revelation, it repeats that phrase. His voice was like the sound of many waters. And the land was radiant with his glory. So as I was studying that this week, I was reminded that in my young adult years, we got together with a group of friends and we went to white, do some whitewater rafting in West Virginia. The, the, the Gali River is some of the best whitewater rafting in the entire United States. And they, there's the upper Gali and there's, there's the lower Gali, and the upper Gali is, is more advanced. They have several class five rapids, which are one of the highest classes of, of rapids. On the, on the upper Gali trip, there's a, a six-foot waterfall that you can go over where you all just huddle into the boat. You go over this waterfall. It's an, if, if you've never done whitewater rafting, you don't want to start on the upper Gali, but you want to maybe start on the lower or the new river, and then one of your second trips, you can do the upper Gali. And I remember remember that, that one of the people that took us knew something about these trips. He knew that in the fall, they opened the dams. Th this is just perfect timing, isn't it? Is God not good or what? I am living right. Let's just pause now and take that in, huh? Come on, that is good stuff. Wouldn't it be hilarious if that happened in Williamsburg again right at the same time tomorrow morning? I know, come on, it's going to happen. So, it sounded just like this, right? They open up the dam a few times a year, and, and you can work with the tour guide company to go on a weekend when there's a scheduled opening. So the dam has these big tunnels in the bottom of them. Like you could drive a tractor trailer into it. You can go online and get pictures of it. And they open it and to, to regulate the reservoir and also regulate the river. And you can go at a time where you put your boat in when those things are wide smack open. And it's like a water cannon the size of this room. It's just coming flying out of there and you can't hear a thing. When you're doing your, your orientation that God is explaining to you, I'm going to give you some instructions of what we're going to do when we launch our boat, but you need to pay attention now because you're not going to hear me when we put in. It's so loud, you will not be able to hear the commands that I give, and so you've got to get it right because we're going to have to get some distance before we can hear. If you've never been around water that is deafening, it's absolutely awe-inspiring. I remember when we were in Belize, my first missions trip that ever went on in the summer of 1990, it rained like this 
all the time. It rained so hard that when you were sitting next to the person inside of those thatched huts that we were staying in, that you, you literally could not hear the person talking next to you. It rained so, it was the loudest rain that I've ever heard. And I thought about these verses in Scripture about the voice of God is like the sound of many waters. It's the sound of rushing waters. It was on that trip. I made a decision to, to be a Christ follower in December of 1990, but it was in the summer of 1991 that something happened in me where I knew I was never going back to the life that I used to live. Maybe some of you here tonight, you've made a decision for Christ, but you've never stepped into that moment where you said, I'm not ever going back. Now I remember we were sitting in this little hut in the middle of the Yucatan Peninsula and rain just like this and, and somebody began to sing the song, I have decided to follow Jesus, that old chorus. And we were just singing it and the more we sang it, the deeper it got into my heart and I just began to weep and I was singing that song and I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that I would never go back to the person that I used to be. Our young people, come on, some of you guys have had great experiences at camp. Great experiences are awesome, but you got to have this moment where you say, I'm not ever going back to who I used to be. His voice is like the sound of rushing waters. Hopefully the rest of these will not play out in reality, <laughs> as you'll see as we get there. All right, John 12, come on, John 12, let's turn there. John 12. I'm going to start reading in verse 23. Again, this is towards the end of Jesus' life, and so we see him wrestling with the reality of what he's been called to do. He knows that he's going to die. He knows that he, he's going to die for the sins of the world, and so he's, he's talking and wrestling with his, his purpose. Now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. I tell you the truth, unless the kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. Those who love their life in this world, they will lose it. Those who care nothing for their life in this world will keep it for eternity. Anyone who wants to be my disciple must follow me because my servants must be where I am. And the Father will honor anyone who serves me. Listen to what he says here. What a great moment of vulnerability for Christ. Now my soul is deeply troubled. Should I pray, Father, save me from this hour? But this is the very reason I came. Father, bring glory to your name. Oh, come on, may it be for all of us that our heart would long for God's glory like that. Then a voice spoke from heaven saying, I have already brought glory to my name and I will do so again. And when the crowd heard the voice, some thought that it was thunder while others declared it was an angel who spoke to him. Can you imagine traveling back in time 2,000 years ago, being there, finally being able to break through the crowd enough to be close enough to hear what Jesus is saying and to see this moment and to hear the heavens roar and thunder the voice of God. Now I know some of you, right, who are my storm chasers in the room? You know who you are, right? It's the people where your friends are coming out to you on the beach saying you must come inside or you might die, right? 
Any, any of those? Is Michelle? We know Michelle. So that's one of the things when they came for their first weekend. We were, we were out to, to eat. And uh, I think it's at the Crab Shack, right? And the storm was brewing on the horizon. And she just had this look in her eye, right? And, 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 she was, and so then she said, I just love lightning. And so it was tailor-made, right? And so we had this huge, we got soaking wet. We went there to Krispy Kreme. We were just dripping, soaking wet. And so God just custom ordered this huge storm to confirm that they were supposed to be here, right? So, right? So some of you, so come on, a little bit more participation tonight. What's, what's a place where you've been at some point in time where you saw just an amazing storm, amazing lightning? Somebody. Becca. Nags head. Absolutely. Jim. Two level three hurricanes in Mississippi. Anywhere, anywhere in Oklahoma. Yes. Steve. Hurricane Hugo in South Carolina. Somebody else. Amazing electrical storm. South Florida. Yeah. You ever surfed in any of that? Yeah, I know. That's when he goes out. Fort Monroe. Yeah, Fort Monroe. Brad? The air, yeah, airport. Brad works at the airport. You see a little lightning there? Al? Tsunami outside of Hong Kong. Rose. The Azores in Portugal. Sandstorm in Saudi Arabia. Lightning storm at night in the middle of the ocean on an aircraft carrier? On an aircraft carrier? Driving to Dallas, Texas to be with George. Stan, I see your hand all the way over there. Vietnam. Yeah, come on. Yeah. We, we've, we've all been and said, like, like, don't you love that? He goes, it's awesome. And some of you are going, I would be so frightened to death. We, we've been in moments. We've been in places. We've been in settings where there is a clap of thunder that just chills us to the bone. And this is what God says to us. That's what my voice sounds like when I speak. All right, number three, Psalm 29. Oh, I like this psalm. Come on. I'm going to pick up in verse 3. It says, The voice of the Lord echoes above the sea. The God of glory thunders. The Lord thunders over the mighty sea. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is majestic. The voice of the Lord splits the mighty cedars. The Lord shatters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon's mountains skip like a calf. He makes Mount Hermon leap like a young wild ox, which means that his voice is so powerful that it'll startle you. In fact, that it even has the ability to startle a mountain as if it were a young animal. The voice of the Lord strikes with bolts of lightning. The voice of the Lord makes the barren wilderness quake. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord twists mighty oaks and strips the forest bare. In his temple, everyone shouts, glory! I like, I like this verse here because, uh, you know, we believe in participatory listening at the City Life Church, and I kind of grew up around that in church all my life. And so this is what my dad would always say if we were in a church service and the, and the person preaching said something that he liked. You would just hear this voice out of the audience go, glory, right? That's pops right there. That's dad, you know, breaking it down, breaking it down. I, I wonder sometimes if it didn't come from Psalm 12. You know, mine is, right? What's mine? 
Come on, right? Come on. That's right. And so I've infected some of you with that. I think it was Denise Thomason that was at a conference this past year. And so, you know, she's been a part of the city. She says, come on all the time. And so, and she noticed that everybody was staring at her throughout the, throughout the, 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 instru- the instructor giving their, their presentation. And she realized it's because every time the instructor said something she liked, right, at this work conference, she kept saying, come on, come on, right? So you can just imagine the instructor, right? They're calling their spouse, and their spouse is probably saying, how did you do? And their spouse is going, man, I, rock, I think I rocked it today. There was somebody out there that was really into what I was, was, was saying. And so, so here, right, everyone in the temple shouts glory. It doesn't have something inside of you. When God stirs your heart, it's okay to participate. We Participatory listening. All right, verse 10. The Lord rules over the floodwaters. The Lord reigns as king forever. The Lord gives his people strength. The Lord blesses them with peace. Come on, it just keeps coming back in the story. So I had never been to Hallow Scream before. Any Hallow Scream fans here with Bush Gardens, right? And, and so I know we get some applause out of, you should have shouted glory right there. I would have been good. Right? So, so, so we went about, about two years ago. Ethan wanted to go for his birthday. His birthday's in October. And so we got some of his friends together and we went to, to Hallow Scream. And I had never been before. I had so much fun watching other people. I mean, if you have never been, you should go, you should just find a place and sit down and just watch people. And so we were up in where, uh, it's like the French-Canadian quarter where La is, the log flume up in that area, where the, what's the restaurant up there? The, the smokehouse. Yeah, come on, listen, glory, come on. It's also where you get the big turkey legs. Nice, I'm telling you, I'm making myself hungry right here. Are they open right now? No. So I'm up there and, and I'm watching this lady. And there's a guy making his way towards her with a chainsaw, right? You weren't sure where that story was going, but you might not have expected that, right? And so he's slowly making his way towards her. The chainsaw's running. You can hear it. You know, he's revenant and smoke's going everywhere. And he's just walking towards her just like this, right? And so she's here. She's got her hands out like this, right? And she's just easing her way back. Now, they, they know what they're doing here. They know how to scare people. So he slows down, right, to create a false sense of security in her. So she's backing. I'm watching it play out, right? She's backing up, and all of a sudden there's distance that she's gaining, which is what she's trying to accomplish. And the guy on this end, he knows that at some point that she's going to feel safe enough to turn around and make her escape. And so she gets from maybe like here to juice, and she gets to right here. And when she goes to pivot and turn... Say hello to partner with the chainsaw standing right in her grill. Her, you know. She, I, true story, let out a blood-curdling scream. I, I'm quite certain she had to go home to change her clothes. I'm quite certain. Either that or she went on the log flume just to rinse a little bit. A little bit. You have, I have never in my life heard someone scream like her, except... If I had been on the Nolan Trail this past Wednesday, from what I understand, the ladies, right, for the Nolan Trail is Laura in here, or is she working in kid life? So, so, so we'll talk about Laura while she's not in here, because that's what we like to do here at the City Life Church. So, so the ladies were on the Nolan Trail. The guys do it on Tuesday. The ladies go on Wednesday, and they were walking, and they came down the trail, and there was a doe and a fawn on the trail. And so, so the, the ladies, they were like, we're going to keep our distance. And they were kind of enjoying it for a minute, but then they knew they had to get going. And so they're clapping their hands. What's the noise that Vanessa makes? Yep, that's the noise she makes whenever she goes into the shed. Woohoo! I can't do it. She can do it, right? Get her to do it for you after cert. Do it again. When she ever goes in the shed, she makes the, yeah, right? If there's anything in there, I just want her to know I'm coming. When she goes to take the trash out, you hear her outside. Woo! 
right? Just wants to scare, whatever. It's, it's awesome. It's great. It's great. You might not ever come to visit the City Life Church again, but man, we're having a good time tonight, right? So, so, so I know she's probably making that noise, and finally they get them to get off the trail. And so they're walking, right? They're walking, they're walking, they're walking, and they get to the deer just barely. They're, they're surprised that the deer have not run yet. And so they're getting there, and they're admiring the deer. And all of a sudden, Laura Nowotny, she's right here, she hears something immediately next to her. She turns, and there is a deer that's close enough to lick her nose. Lick her nose. She lets out a blood-curdling scream, and then it's dominoes, right? She screams, and then it's bam, 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 bam. Then every other person screams. They don't even know why they're screaming. They're just screaming because everybody else is screaming. It couldn't have happened in a better week, right? The timing was perfect. All of us have been in settings where either we have been startled or we've observed someone being startled. And it's just, you know that your heart just stops beating in that moment. It's like it, it pauses. God, this is, God says, hey, when I speak, my voice can startle you to the point where you're not sure you're going to take your next breath. It will cause mountains to tremble. That's who I am. Revelation 19. Revelation 19. Verse 11. As then I saw heaven opened and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named, this is speaking of Jesus, was named Faithful and True for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. That's the one that we've got underlined up there for a reason because of where we're going to get to in this text. His eyes were like flames of fire and his head, on his head were many crowns. His name was written on him, right? He's got a tattoo that no one understood except himself and he wore a robe dipped in blood and his title was the word of God. Let me jump down to verse 20. And the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding on the white horse, and the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies." This is the story in the nursery today. <laughs> Kids are going to come in the middle of the night with bad dreams. You, you having a dream about a monster? No, it's Jesus. He's scary, right? Yeah. This is, this, is, this is adult church only right here, right? Adult church only right here. That's not on the flannel stories for the kids' ministry, right? It's a scary picture, isn't it? It's a scary picture of Jesus judging. He's violent. And his voice is lethal. His voice has the ability, it has the power to take your life. It's, we, we like the idea of Jesus' voice being a gentle whisper. And that's, that's where we're going. We like the idea of his voice being a still small voice. But that's not all that his voice is. 
His voice is like a sword that has the power to pierce your heart with conviction if you need that. It also has the power to bring judgment, to bring you on to the heavens if that's what the world needs is for you to not be here any longer. His voice is lethal. 1 Kings 19. Oh, come on. These are great texts, aren't they? The Bible is rich. 1 Kings 19. I'm going to start reading in verse 7. It says, Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more. I always read this verse for my prayer at a buffet. Or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up and he ate and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, right? This is the place where God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. And it says, and he came to the mountain, and there he came to a cave. Many biblical scholars believe it was probably the same cleft of the rock that Moses hid in when God's glory passed by. It says he spent the night. It says, the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty. Like you're talking about God like he's not there. You ever done that? I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. And I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. Listen to what God says. Go out and stand before me on the mountain. And the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, and after the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire there was a sound of a gentle whisper, or your Bible might render that a still small voice. And when Elijah heard it, He wrapped his face in his cloak and he went out and he stood at the entrance of the cave. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. Now we've been spending time in all of these different stories because this is the text in Christendom that gets all the attention. When when sermons are preached about the voice of God, everybody always teaches about 1 Kings 19. I just got to say, I think those other four texts, they feel a little bit left out. You with me? I think those other texts, they, they, they feel a little bit set aside. We, we like to teach about this because we like God being still and small and gentle because then he's manageable. He's controllable. We, we don't like the idea of God's voice being like the sound of many waters or, or the sound of thunder or, or being so powerful it has the ability to cause mountains to tremble. We don't like the idea of the voice of God being able to snatch our life right out of us. It's interesting as you begin to study God's word about the Bible, there are very few places that talk about his voice being still and small. They're in the minority. They're few. They're hard to find. And I think one of the reasons why people have a hard time hearing God's voice is because they're always looking for that. Just like last week, we talked about being stuck in the wrong story. Some of you who say, I've never heard God's voice because you're stuck in the wrong story. Because this is all that you're ever looking for. 
And this is what I think God wants to say to us about his voice tonight. I think what he's saying to us is, hey, these verses that I've put in the Bible for your benefit, they don't contradict each other. They don't conflict each other. They don't hold each other in a healthy tension. They're all saying, in the end, the very same thing. And that's the part that never gets taught. So we're going to teach it tonight. I think when you take all five of these texts and line them up, they all make one simple statement, and it's this. This is what God says, I believe, about His voice. My voice is unmistakable. It's not any more complicated than that. We, we focus on the experience, but God says, hey, the experience is secondary. What matters, what I'm trying to get you to appreciate is that when I speak, you're going to know that it's me. Whether it's through the sound of rushing waters or whether it's thundering or whether it's a powerful voice that causes mountains to shake or whether it's, God forbid, we were ever to experience the fourth one that someone were to literally die or whether it's a still small voice or a gentle whisper. What God's trying to say to us is there is a certainty to my presence. When it's me, you know it. That's why one of the things when we're talking to people about big decisions, we ask, what do you think God's saying to you about it? And they'll say, well, I think he's saying this. And we say, well, you should wait a little bit longer because when he speaks, you're going to know. If you're not sure, I don't think that's him. There is a certainty to him. When he shows up, you know that he is in the room. And when he speaks, you know that it is the voice of the living God. He speaks there should be an expectation in us that we will hear. And when we do, and when we walk with Him all the days of our life, there is a perfect peace that takes root in our lives. That no matter what the mayhem might be around us, there is a calm deep inside because we know that we know that we know that God, His voice, will break through the storm and give us the word that we need. Stand with me as we worship together.